Welcome to the Ink Feather Podcast, which explores the worlds of sci-fi and fantasy books through those who bring them to life. Every other week, we chat with authors and industry pros about their books, including new releases and old favorites. I'm Lauren, and this is episode 33, where I chat with best-selling author Garth Nix. If you like fantasy, then most likely you have read one of Garth's books. I'd say Garth is best known for his Old Kingdom books, of which the Aborzin trilogy is kind of the core three, which in uh, which includes Sabriel, Liriel, and Aborzin, which they're incredible. Um, if you have not read them, stop this podcast and go because it's they're so good. Also, side note: if you do audiobooks, even if you don't do audiobooks, you should do these on audio because the Tim Curry narrates his books, and it's like freaking amazing. Uh, they're so good. So yeah, he has multiple series that he's written over the years. Um, like I said, he's best known for that, but he's just kind of an iconic fantasy staple. If you like YA fantasy, middle grade fantasy, he writes incredibly complicated, beautiful worlds and characters that are just lush and lyrical and complicated and beautiful and I, I don't know how else to explain his books they're just wonderful wonderful reads highly highly recommend his books but today we're actually here to talk about his new release um, angel mage which came out early october when i saw that he had a new book out that had to do with three musketeers but told kind of like from a woman's perspective with woman power combined with like iconography angel magic all meshed into one. I was like, this sounds so cool and so Garth, and I would love to talk to him about this. So luckily enough, I was able to get him on the phone while I was traveling overseas in Greece. Um, so the quality's not ideal because I was on my headphones, but it was a great chat. He's such an interesting dude. He's got so many interesting things that he talks about. He knows a lot about a lot of stuff that I don't. So it's really interesting hearing him talk about um, various aspects of the story and how he developed it. So yeah, I, I think that this is a great episode for people who enjoy fantasy and kind of want to understand the inner workings of how an author brings such a complicated story to life and where they get their inspirations and how they draw from you know, various things that intrigue them in real life and passions. And he talks a lot about his love affair with the Three Musketeers growing up and into his adulthood and just different, you know, representations of that story throughout um, different media, whether it's film or the original story or, you know, all of these, all of these tales. So it's really cool to have his kind of own take on it. Um, this episode's a little late in coming. Um, I have not been feeling well this fall. It was a rough couple of months. I'm still not out of it, out of the woods completely. So I apologize if you uh, are wondering, like, wait a minute, it's early December and this book came out in October. It did, and um, but I'm still excited to share this interview because it was an excellent interview and the book is still new. So if you like Garth, if you haven't heard of it, even if you have, um, check out Angel Mage. So... Before we go on, I just want to make a quick note. Um, don't forget we have a Patreon, the Ink Feather Books Patreon, uh, which helps me bring this podcast to you. I'm trying to build up enough sponsorship that I can maybe get um, some editing outsourced because that's like the bane of my existence with this podcast is the editing aspect. I'm decent at it, but it's just very time consuming for me because I'm not good at it. I'm not bad at it, but I'm not efficient because I haven't done it a ton. So I would love to get that outsourced and I want to use the Patreon money for that. So it would make my life a lot easier and allow me to bring new content in different ways if I can free up that time. So please check out our Patreon. Also, one of the things we talk about in the beginning of our interview is that Garth and I know each other because he was in my 
second author calendar. Uh, he was January. It was really fun photographing him, and he's. It was a. It was a good story, and you'll have to listen to the podcast for the details. But um, I do have a lot of his swag in my Etsy store. So if you go to Ink Feather Shop on Etsy. There's tons of signed author swag in there from all the different calendar authors that I've photographed over the years. But um, Garth still has uh, signed 5x7s and 8x10s of his picture, but also he has some book plates. So please, if you're a fan of Garth and you want, you know, maybe if you know someone who's a fan of Garth, you want to get them an easy Christmas present, uh, I definitely have some authentically signed swag from Garth Nix in my store. So go to the Etsy store. It is Ink Feather Shop and check it out. And I can't believe it's December. I can't believe we're at the end of the year. And um, I'm trying to cram as many books as possible right now into finishing up my Goodreads readathon goal for the year. Every year I try to set 104 books as my goal because in my mind, in theory, I can read a book a week and I can listen to a book a week. So I was like, I can do two books in a week, which is very feasible, I think, for me, um, especially because as a photographer, I can edit pictures while I listen to an audiobook. It works really well. But... Apparently this year that was not the case, and I entered November. <laughs> entered November with forty books still left, so I was like, "Okay, I need to just like crank through books. What is a series that has a gazillion books that I know I have already read that I wouldn't mind reading again?" And it was the Anita Blake series. So I have pulled Laurel K. Hamilton's audiobooks out of the vault, and I've been listening to like a book a day. And guys, <laughs> that's series is crazy. It's I interviewed Laurel last year for the podcast. She's a phenomenal person and I there's so many cool things about these books, but man, are they crazy? <laughs> like she gets just really interesting, weird, complicated stuff, uh, you know, a lot of stuff tied up with emotions and sex and power and um relationships and yeah, like you know, the first I don't know, seven, eight, nine books in the series, there's like 26 of them out, are basically Anita. She's a necromancer. She can raise people from the dead. That's her job. It's like known in the world so people hire her to raise people if they like have a will to dispute or if someone wants to say goodbye to someone they didn't get to say goodbye to. That's her job. And the first three, you know, the first third of the book series, it's kind of like a love triangle between her and this vampire named Jean-Claude and this werewolf named Richard. And they both love her and she both loves them and loves both of them in different ways. And who she end up with? Does she date both of them? How does this work? And then shit hits the fan and it is some of the craziest sex scenes I've ever read. <laughs> like, And I'm not one to shy away from them. I have no problem reading sex scenes. I actually enjoy a good romance, especially on audio. It's really fun my little like secret I'm like in the grocery store shopping and I'm like listening to an audiobook that's <laughs> romance and it's getting cheeky and I'm like this it just makes me laugh it makes me smile so um that is something I am you know unabashedly brave about or unabashedly bold about I guess is a better way to say that but then the, the, the complicated layers in these books it's just like you know stuff happens and then she's and it, it, she has to like be with all these different men for all these different reasons and like it's just really, they're really fun to read. So I'm like, I don't know, I'm towards the, I'm in the high teens now. So I was able to get through almost 20 books in November, which is kind of insane when I think about it, um, that I actually read that many books. So I'm going to crank through the rest of the Anita books this December. And I have a couple of did not finishes that were, was no reason I didn't finish the books. I just, 
had to put them down because I had to move on because I had another podcast interview or something and I had read enough of XYZ book to interview previous authors so I just had to move on but I liked the books and I want to finish them so I have a handful of books that I can do that with that I think will round me out really nice so I'd be really curious where you guys are with your Goodreads goal for the year and where you're at and how you you know do you ebb and flow like I do like consistently I would love to do two books a week just do like oh new week new book let's go but of course, that's not how reality works, and, and then that's how you also end up at the beginning of November with 40 books left to read. But hopefully, I'll be able to crank through them. But anyways, uh, I just wanted to touch base with you guys about what I'm reading and where I'm at, and uh, I just want to say that next week's episode is an interview that I recorded this summer with Susan Dennard. Um, it was about Blood Witch, which has been out almost a year now, and I wanted to get this closer to when the paperback's going to come out. And uh, we have some cool swag from the initial release of the book that I'm going to do a giveaway with that too. So be sure to check out next episode as well because Susan never disappoints. She's a lovely person to talk to and it was a really good interview. So, uh, all right, now on to my interview with Garth Nix. Garth, welcome to the Ink Feather Podcast. Thank you. It's very good to be here. I am very excited to have you. I reached out when I saw that you had a new series coming out and I wanted to dig in. I am such a fan of your books. Um, they're some of my favorite to read. And when I saw that you had a angel magic inspired by Three Musketeers with like woman power kind of conglomeration, I was like, I need to read this book. And it has been a delight. So I'm so glad you're here to chat oh, with me about you. it. <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty good description too. Thanks, Lauren. You're welcome. I, I mean, that's really what it is. And it's been, um, I want to kind of dig into the, the creation of it in a minute. But before I do that, I actually would love to tell our listeners how we know each other and tell the story of our hanging out. I think it's hilarious. It makes me laugh every time I think about it. Sure. So we, we met because Garth was in my second author calendar and you were really fun because you actually had a lot of great input to what you wanted to be dressed up as and how you wanted to be envisioned, which was really fun for me because most people are sort of just like, man, Eastern European or, or, or Western European fantasy. Let's just sort of, and you were like, I have this vision. And it was really fun for me <laughs> to kind of interpret what you were feeling. Maybe I'm just a, yeah. I'm just a control freak perhaps, but uh, I, did have a, I did have an idea which I was very grateful that you that you ran with it and uh, uh, and we and we got to do it. It was really fun. So so basically, what um, I'm sure you can those of you listening, Garth is Australian, so he is you know I'm in America, so we were like, how are we going to make this work? Good night, <laughs> I know. I feel like I have I've had Amy Coffin on here twice. I've had Jay Kristoff off here. I feel like I'm having I have Australians like everywhere coming out all Lots the time. Of Australians, yeah, very good. Yeah, but it's um, so I was like, okay, well, how are we going to make this work? And so you were in New York City, uh, either for tour or you were coming for press or something. And um, you actually are friends with Scott Westerfeld, who was in the second calendar also because his wife is Australian, right? Justine Labellastier, is that her? Justine Labellastier, yep. Yep. Yes, and yep. so you guys know each other. And I was like, well, let's just do a thing today. So um, Garth and Scott, I did both of their shoots with them, like cheerleading each other. And I knew what I wanted to do for Garth's picture. And luckily, author and friend Zoraida Cordova was like, yeah, you can use my apartment. And so we're in her apartment. Mm -hmm. And 
burning books. <laughs> authors. Was very kind of her. I know. It's very kind of her. <laughs> she, I told her, she's like, that's awesome. That was her reaction. She was like, yeah, that sounds amazing. But I was like, I kind of want to light a book on fire, like actually light a book on fire to photograph it. So here I am on a couch photographing a New York Times bestselling author who's holding a burning book while, while another one, Scott's sitting beside me with his iPhone like another paparazzi, like taking pictures of you. Oh, that makes me laugh half as much as just Scott was just sitting there like engaged as well. But yeah, the photo shoot was really fun. And I'm really pleased with how the photo came out. It was really um, a delightful experience and um, such a cool vibe with that photo. So yeah, so that's how we know each other. Oh, I have that calendar on the wall of my office, actually, oh, that's oh, to, to my to my photo, as a, as a matter of fact. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed Scott's photograph in, in Central Park as well. Uh, I thought it was quite funny that uh, you could stage a, a photograph of a uh, sort of 18th century European gentleman yeah. with a, a key, uh, with a tree of keys, and no one paid any attention whatsoever. No, I That's mean. That's one of the things I like. I like. It was it was during Comic-Con, actually, I think, too, so um, possibly the presence of people in, in, in costume. <laughs> uh, you know, there's a very wide radius around the, the, the Javits Centre mm. that uh, people don't pay any attention to. Yeah, we to costume persons. Yeah, we weren't the craziest people in New York, is what you're really saying. <laughs> I mean, well, I just like the fact you can do all that stuff, yeah. and and people are casually interested, but no, no more than that. So it's a, it's a very, it's a lovely thing. Yeah, no, I agree. It was, it was a really fun day. I, I was a good memory for me, and I'm pleased also with how the photos came out, and it was fun. You know, it's fun. You know, when when creatives collaborate, and I know this is out of your guys's comfort zone. It's it's not you know you're writers. I'm a photographer, but it was fun. It's fun for me to kind of I don't know put you put you into the <laughs> the the visual aspect well, of manifesting. Yeah, it's it's what we write about. It was it was fun for me too, and uh, and I know and a great end result. It's a wonderful calendar, Thank you know, you. fantastic photographs, and for a good cause too. Yeah, so it was. Uh, also you know all very important. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely – I'm actually thinking I'm going to be doing a third one. I'm just the, – the scratching the itch is kind of coming back. It's a lot of work, so I took some time <laughs> off, but I was like, you, you know. You've forgotten. Well, yeah. You've forgotten how tough it was. Now you're ready to go it's again. It's like having right? a baby, I guess, right? You forget all the pain and you just enjoy the, the, the product at the end, I guess. I don't know. But, yeah, it's – um. There, I just as I'm interviewing all these authors, there's so many new authors. And I'm like, oh, they're like, yeah, that calendar's really cool. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of want to do one. Would you do it? And I'm like, yeah. So I'm like, okay. So I've got these this list of awesome people. Fantastic. So we'll see. Um, we had a good time. I'd love to see another. Thanks. Yeah, I, I, I will. So I'm, I'm, it's in the works. It is in my head. I'm kind of like in the beginning stages of planning. But thank you. That's encouraging. I appreciate that. But yeah, so we had a good time. But um, so yeah, when I saw that you had Angel Mage coming out, that's when I, I emailed you and was like, I really want to talk to you about this book because you write probably some of the most complex fantasies I've ever read and I read a lot of fantasies and they're all so beautifully done and like interwoven and like I said when I saw the premise I I really wanted to kind of um I don't know pick your brain a little bit more about this book so talk to me about the the origins of the story like what made you go wow that would be a neat combination it's always a very difficult question to answer. I know. You know these things well up well up over time, uh, but I think it it's definitely stems from a lifelong love of Alexandre Dumas and the Three Musketeers, yeah. uh, which I would have first read when I was probably twelve or thirteen, and I loved the books. And then I saw the Richard Lester 
movies, which were written by George MacDonald Fraser, mm-hmm. The Three Musketeers and The Four Musketeers uh, in the early 70s. And fam- famously, the Salkin brothers, the producers, made two films but only paid all the actors for one, <laughs> <laughs> which, the, which they were, of course, caught out. I'm not sure how they thought they were going to get away with yeah. <laughs> it, uh, leading, to, leading to all kinds of litigation and uh, contractual precedents about how you can't do that. You can't shoot as if you're going to do one film and then cut it into two. Uh, but I love those films. I mean, they're, they're brilliant films with uh, uh, Oliver Reed as Athos and Frank Finlay as Borthos and mm. Mark York as D'Artagnan, uh, Geraldine Chaplin as the Queen, Charlie Chaplin's daughter, who's, mm. who's wonderful, uh, Raquel Welch, Faye Dunaway as Milady. Wow. Uh, they're, they're tremendous, tremendous films. I mean, they, if you haven't seen them, they're worth seeing – uh, for many reasons, they were a tremendous cast, a very clever script, and they also look absolutely fantastic. They they have such brilliant set and costume design, and it was all shot in Spain, uh, and they had permission to, to film in many places where no one's ever been allowed to film oh, again. Cool. Possibly, possibly because, because of them, but I don't know. <laughs> but uh, they, they just look absolutely right. And I, I love those films, and I love the books. And I th- I've always wanted to write something three musketeery as it were and in fact i have done so in the past with uh, one short story called the heart of the city which in many ways is a kind of precursor to to angel mage uh and then i guess it all sort of came together when i was thinking about doing a, a 17th century swashbuckling novel and i so i had that element of it that three musketeersy sort of stuff um but then I thought it needs magic as well. Of course, and, as all good books do, I think. <laughs> of well, I, did, I actually did consider trying to write a basically historical alternate version of The Three Musketeers. Mm. But uh, I always find myself uh, – well, to be honest, I probably find writing historical novels too hard because you, you have to – if you set out to do that, you do actually have to get the history right yeah. in my view – um, and there's just less room for manoeuvring, and particularly if you want to have magic, that makes it all a bit harder. Once you want to introduce magic, I mean, I could have written as pretty much a straight historical with some magic, but I, I just found that mix when I was starting to think about it wasn't going to work for me. So I thought, I, and I wanted to do something that had more magic, yeah. and I like to create my own boundaries, I guess, and then work within them. And so I thought I'd make it an alternate. Europe. It'd be a, a country that I imagined a high fantasy where I invented uh, a world that's you know, like 17th century Europe and like the France of the Three Musketeers yeah. and so on. But I, I wanted to have this 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 layer of magic as mm-hmm. well. And thinking about what that could be, uh, I arrived at, at angels and and summoning angels by using icons. Yeah. Um, I've always been interested in angelic law. And uh, most of which stems from the Middle Ages and and later. There's not actually all that much in, in biblical terms. Um, and also, I I'm, I love icons. Yeah. I love I love religious icons. Icons and are icon making. Yeah, and that is fascinating. And it made sense to me that that if you could in, invest an icon with the, the power of summoning an angel, yeah. that would be a very cool a very cool magic. And so those those two things came together. And then it just took some time to 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 discover the story that I, I wanted to tell, because I did want 
the same kind of ensemble cast yeah. that the Three Musketeers have, and there's actually four of them, of course, because there's the Three Musketeers plus D'Artagnan, uh, uh, hence the, the Seven Brothers' second film being the Four Musketeers. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I wanted to have four characters like that, but I and I and I wanted to have a an antagonist uh, as well. So who I, I loosely based on Milady uh, from the Three Musketeers, uh, Milady de Winter. Um, so, but I didn't want it to be too direct. Uh, so the story is not the same. The character is not the same. Uh, and the, and the world is, is, is not identical, but it's, it's very much inspired by Dumas. Yeah. And of course the other aspect too, is that as with all my fantasy worlds, I want them to be equal opportunity ones. Uh, so, uh, where, where women can do anything as of course they can do It's the social constructs that have prevented them from doing so, not innate ability. So, uh, so in Angel Mage, women are musketeers and cardinals and, and the queen, the ruling queen yeah. is, is, is a queen, not, not a king. And the king's and so almost on. like uh, a joke, uh, like a puppet king kind of. He just sort of hangs out. Yeah, well, he, he's, he, he's, he's, a, he's the, he provides one useful service, <laughs> uh, you know, to ensure heirs. Yeah. Did, otherwise, he's a bit of an idiot. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's you know that's that's part of the fun, and of course you know historically there were plenty of characters like that. But I I, I wanted a world where where opportunity was equal for for all kinds of people, uh, so women and men, and and also not to uh, not to present a, a world that's that's uh, exclusively white either, or yeah. uh, that sort of common conception of of 17th century France that it would be predominantly white uh and even historically there were lots and lots of other people there as well but uh they they tend to get left out of everything so i I think you know in a in a a good world everyone would have a chance at anything and uh, that's what i wanted to have in in these books too and it just makes it more interesting to be honest um having a uh a woman cardinal or a uh, having you know characters being of of either gender or, or or of uncertain gender just makes it more interesting. Um, so that's part of it as well. Yeah, it was really fun to just see, you know, because a lot of the writing you did, you would talk about their titles and then you would say their their gender word. So it was like, oh, it and it's a woman. <laughs> like it was a oh, okay. Um, which it was more about the, the the power of the title and what they represented versus the fact that they were a woman. Which well, our, our expectations are. It's interesting how strong our expectations uh-huh. are that uh, you know a particular title means a particular. Of course, yeah. You know, the captain of the guard, or or the captain of the musketeers, or for the example. cardinal, like you said, yeah. or yeah, or the cardinal, and you instantly think, oh, a man. Uh, so I think it's 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 good to challenge that, and of course I I also need uh, you know help to think outside those expectations as well. So um, it's it's something to constantly work at, and and also have help from other people uh, reading it and so on to say, well, hang on a second, uh, you you know you've you've gone down a gone down a road where you you are just meeting all the preconceptions mm. and not not trying to expand upon them. So. It's it's an always a it's a continual thing, <laughs> but it was it was fun as a reader to 
yeah, to find those, I mean, it is unfortunate that it is surprises, I guess, but it, you know, to be like, oh, I, I really liked, um, and it was done subtly to the point where I, at first I was like, did I read that right? And then it accounted again, where they, they take the mother's last name, which I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, why, why not? You know, why not take the mother's last name? Um, yeah, I, I, I really liked the, the balance and it was just, people were just sort of people in the book and it's just, it's more about the, the actions and the, the, what's happening as opposed to the gender, which was really fun. Um, so kind of back to the magic. I really, I really love the premise of this, of this angel magic. You have really interesting parameters for it. Um, you know, the fact that people who have the ability to tap into it can call various angels to help them. And each angel is kind of known for a certain thing, a certain power or protection. And then, um, but there are consequences and there are two types of consequences that I've kind of remember reading more, obviously, obviously there's a physical consequence, like the more powerful the angel, the more it will take your life force. Like you use some of your actual life to call upon these celestial beings. And then also there's those parameters of like, you need to make sure you're very clear on what you're asking because sometimes things aren't, you don't think them through enough. And then the angels can kind of take what you're asking and it goes out of control, which is a whole other separate parameter. Um, uh, Interesting boundaries. But yeah, I really liked um, the idea of that. So when you were creating this magic system, was that, um, was it fun kind of working into like angelic magic? Were you researching like the history of what people interpret angelic magic in, or you were just sort of trying to decide how it would fit within the world you were creating? Sure. I I basically worked it out as I was going along, uh, which is pretty, pretty much what I always do (laughs) in the sense that, I work out how I need the story to work and, and what mm. feels right. Uh, but I, I had I had been doing quite a lot of reading into what people believed uh, about summoning angels and what they can do for you and so on, the, though the book doesn't really reflect any historical beliefs in, in that sense. Um, and I'm, I always think magic to be interesting and and more realistic. I mean, re- re- realistic is a strange term to use, perhaps <laughs> when you're talking about summoning angels. Uh, but it has to feel like it, sh- it, it, it would work yes. in that way, and it, and it feels real in, in terms of that world. And I think magic always does have to have a cost to be to be interesting and 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 have that feeling of realism. Uh, there have to be consequences, yeah. and. And it can't just be – if it's as simple as turning on a light switch or turning off and on a light switch, it, it just loses interest. It's automatic um, and it's it's not as interesting for the story. So, yeah, there's definitely those – there's that cost to summon an angel. And, and depending upon the, the, the power of the angel, there's a hierarchy of angels and, and – uh, the higher angels take considerably more from you if you're able to summon them, and that requires an effort of will, which not everybody has anyway, and mm-hmm. training sometimes. Um, and there is the possibility of also tricking angels to do things which they would not otherwise do. Uh, you can't usually get angels to kill people, for example. Uh, they resist they resist doing that, but you can actually trick them into doing things that that will result in a death 
uh, even if they're mm. even if they don't want to do it. Um, so there's this sort of how how angels are directed and used is is very important. It's not it's not straightforward. But yes, and all the angels have what I've called a scope, which is their particular region of power and authority. Uh, which may be geographic or it may be over certain kinds of items yeah. or certain situations and so on. So, I mean, that made it interesting as well. I, I think uh, magic needs that kind of texture to, to be interesting, not just point your finger and someone dies or someone comes back to life. It needs it needs more to it Well, and uh, to, just to have colour and, and so on. I was going to say, that's part of what makes the villain so wonderful, too, is that she challenges those boundaries and and it goes, okay, so those boundaries that are in place in this magic system don't really apply to her in the traditional sense. So now what do we do? Like, that's kind of one of the reasons she's so scary <laughs> is she can kind of just... Yeah, well, there's, there is a big th- there's a big thread through the book of those who have explored and experimented around mm-hmm. uh, the the accepted knowledge of how angelic magic works and and she is the Liliath who is the the antagonist of the book um, and one of so one of the of that sort of main cast of five mm-hmm. uh, she is an, she is an experimenter with angelic magic and has found ways to do things that have uh, generally not been done um, but with some historical examples which have not ended well yes. uh, for the people for the people who've done them uh, so that's 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 part of what makes makes it interesting as well and and her motivations for what she's doing are also um, uh, I think are not as straightforward as, as as they seem which is part of what I like about the fun writing this kind of yeah yeah you, it's I like people who where it's not absolutely clear. I mean, they they may be doing things that appear evil, uh, but not necessarily to them, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 the reasons why they're doing doing these things. Uh, I like them to be more straightforward than just I am evil, therefore I will do this thing. Well, and I think it's that's part of what makes it you know realistic in the sense that I I don't know a person in my life that at one time hasn't even at least thought something selfish that would, you know, it it be compromising of another person's, you know, either they, you know, it's not perfect for everyone else. It's you're thinking of yourself and, and you make those choices and there's those consequences, but you're not inadvertently a bad person. You're just, you know, you have an an outcome you want or you, Uh, uh, you might be a totally selfish one, or in fact, you may be, a somewhat selfish one who has not thought things through. Mm. Um, and there's a very wide range. I, I think we all do things which are a little bit selfish. That's what I mean, uh, yeah. And, and may you know, have, have consequences for others, which is not necessarily evil as such. It's, exactly. It is just a bit selfish. But, but of course, there are extremes. Of course. Of, there, there are extremes of this behavior at, uh, <laughs> at, uh, at all ends. But yeah, that's what I I enjoyed her as as I keep saying the villain because it's just easier to but the end you know the antagonist is a better word. Well, she, she though she is a villain in a in in in, the, in, the, in this kind of swashbuckling yes. uh, adventure novel way. <laughs> she is a villain, but with but with more to her. I hope. No, she definitely um, is an interesting character, and and I I enjoy reading. Um, 
her parts and and we'll get into actually I want to talk about the point of views as well in a minute here but um yeah getting in her head because you you write kind of I mean you have an intro and everything but you basically were in the five main characters heads she is one of them and hearing her internal dialogue and her choices and her decisions you know like you said she's not an inherently awful evil human who's trying to you know dominate the universe it's just her choices and her motivations are you know and the people that are falling by the wayside or suffering because of that. It's really an interesting, she's an interesting character to read. Hey everyone. I hope you're enjoying the interview with Garth. I just want to remind you again about my ink feather shop on Etsy, uh, where there's tons of cool author swag from my calendar projects. I have like 20, six different authors who have signed various things. I've got Garth Nix, Tahada Mafi, Ransom Riggs, Scott Westerfeld, Melissa De La Cruz, Patrick Rothfuss, Margie Stoll, Jim Butcher, Robin Hobb. I'm looking at the pictures. I'm just listing them. Tony DiTerlizzi, Cami Garcia, Lev Grossman, Lauren Oliver, Lee Bardugo. That's just the last, that's the newer calendar. The older calendar, I've got Christopher Paulini, Cassandra Clare, Gail Carriger, Tad Williams, Holly Black, Brandon Mall, <laughs> there's a door blocking the thing I can't see. Maggie Stiefvater, Tessa Gratton, Brenna Yovanoff, Brandon Sanderson, Gregory McGuire, oh, Lauren Kate. Yeah, so like a lot, a lot, a lot of authors. I've got signed swag for all of them in some various form in the store. So if you're interested in any of those guys, if you're fans, if you want, if you know fans, people who would love something that's signed, especially like a signed print that they can frame, it's really cool, like collectible, uh, check out the shop. It is the Ink Feather Shop on Etsy. Okay, now back to the interview. Um, was it hard to jump in the heads of all of the different characters? Was it hard to keep them straight um, as opposed to just being with one person? I mean, you do that a lot, I find. I think if I'm remembering correctly from reading, you like to kind of jump around into different characters' heads, which is really fun for the reader because you get different perspective, which is great. As, as, as long as it works. I love um, it. Yeah, I think it's great. I do, well, well, I do it with some books and I, I don't with others. Yeah. I and mean, some of my books have very concentrated one Focus, viewpoint. yeah main character uh some i do split the i do have different you know, chapters with different viewpoint characters uh this one angel mage i would have the most of any i've ever done so there are five viewpoint characters yeah. basically whose, whose stories and they're all they're tributaries that all flow together into mm -hmm. one big river coming towards the end uh so bringing them all, bringing them all together, the stories all, all flow together. Uh, I did have a little bit of trouble and rearrangement of the different viewpoint stories early on. Uh, so I spent some time rearranging and rewriting some parts to to make them work better and to set everything up to to come together. So it certainly is a technical challenge yeah. uh, that I, I hope I've succeeded. No, the early reviews seem to suggest that no, I have. No, it was great. Um, yeah, it's been really – it was fun to read because, like, it's kind of like each chapter is the next point of view and it's a different character. And so it's kind of like – you are jumping around so much and you can all see kind of like you said, the direction things are heading and I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I'm like, ooh, and they're all kind of ending yeah. up in the same place. What does that mean? How are they going to interact? When they meet, if, are they going to meet? If they meet, how are they going to be? You know, it's um, – And the four do come together, Yeah. Uh, you know, relatively. I mean, I think they come together sort of a third of the way. Yeah, in, pretty quickly. Which is where – and then from that, that – 
And then from that point, we, we are following the four and Lilith. So it's not five viewpoint yeah. with the, so many disparate chapters. So I no, I think if I, I mean, it'll be, it would be probably an incredibly long book uh, if, if I'd kept on <laughs> keeping the, the, the four viewpoint characters apart as well as, as Lilith. Um, but they, so there's the four come together reasonably early and then, and then there's this two streams of narrative until uh, they also converge later on. Yeah, but giving the insight into, um, I guess I just really enjoyed, you know, like, because you jumped around into different internal dialogue as well. It was just fun to kind of get insight into each character. And well, it's part of the, that's part of the fun. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. And it's fun for the reader. It really was enjoyable, like to go, ooh, who's, you know, whose head are we in? What are they thinking? What's the motivation here? And um, and just kind of each of their own agendas and how it all kind of comes together and connects. It's, it was a really enjoyable read. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, and I'm sure it's <laughs> encouraging for people who, I don't, I mean, I guess you could say discouraging, but I'm going to take it as encouraging for, for listeners who are writers or, you know, hoping to get a book published or maybe have been published. It's just, you know, this is part of the process. I mean, you've got how many books under your belt and here's a new one that you've done and you're still like, okay, here's a new challenge. I've got to sort these character paths. And it's just, you know, part of the writing and the creative process of being a writer. So getting things organized and. Oh, uh, there's always rewriting, (laughs) rewriting and revision uh, uh, are just part of part of an author's life and some books need a lot more uh, <laughs> some some don't you know it's you, you never know going in how much and sometimes of course huge huge parts get thrown out mm. and will have to be redone that's it's never straightforward and uh, I don't think I've ever met anyone who's a long established writer who can honestly say that they just write from A to Z and it's fine and and then off it goes and it gets published. I have very occasionally met people who claim that they don't need to do a revision, but I still doubt them. I have my doubts. Yeah, I was going to say, I ha- um, there's, I'm, there's just, always revision. I'm just thinking even like at a beginning level, like you were saying like, oh, I've got to juggle things around. I mean, obviously revisions to me seems logical, but yeah, I, I would find that hard to believe too. I'm like, it just comes out perfect and you just get it published. That doesn't seem real, but it, it, I guess yeah. it's just, you know. It's, it's a nice idea. Nice, it's just encouraging for people. It's just part of that creative life, creative process. You know, I, I mean, as a photographer, it's the same thing for me. It's always... I don't know, you're always trying to find and, you know, you're approaching it with the tools that you have and the experience that you have, but it's always a new challenge or a different challenge or a new way to perceive things and tackle them with the tools that you've got under your belt. And, you know, but it's never just, like you said, straight A to Z. I think you also, you always aim high and you can never actually reach where you're aiming at too. I think that's another reality that, uh, the the books I have in my head, as I perceive the story in my head, is always it's always much better than what I can eventually produce. Mm. I can never capture the, the incipient brilliance that's waiting to come out. <laughs> it's never as good as, as I want it to be. Well, you try, um, but I keep striving towards it, and and and, and, that, and that's the important thing. Yeah. And if you can, and I've learned that you try your best, you do all the work, you you revise and you you polish and you try and hone things to perfection. You can't actually reach perfection. So uh, you have to say, okay, well, this is as good as I can get it and now it will go away and, and editors and some will help you make it even better. Yep. But it still won't be that, that shining vision in the same way I think I'm sure you see scenes and you want to capture them photographically and you'll end up, I'm sure with 
amazing photographs, but it's still not quite the same as 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 that mental that mental image yeah. of, of what it should be. But that doesn't matter. Um, it's 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 close. It's as close as you can get, and that's that's great. Um, so I'm always <laughs> every time I think this one I'm going to get closer. This book <laughs> I'm going to get closer to how. I, that that imagining, but it never does. But I just think, well, next time I keep trying, and uh, and you get you get close. And then sometimes I look back on them, and I think, well, I did get pretty close with that one. Yeah, uh, and I'm proud of all of them. That's Gosh, but uh, what I was just about to say was like when I look at projects from the past, like let's just take the first calendar was five years ago, and um, you know after that project came out, I actually spent a whole year almost like in a grad school type of programming where I got really good at Photoshop. So like I look back at the first project and go, oh my gosh, if I did it now, this would be so much better. I would have done this. I would have edited it this way or whatever. But I'm so proud of that project because it, at the time it was the best that I could manifest from my mind. And I did the best I could. I put my heart into it. And you just, like you said, you get, you have a sense of pride of your work. And then you said for the next one, you just try to you know, do the best you can again. I, I, it's just so funny how it, we're all, all artists are like, yep, I have this in never quite there, but I'm just going to try. I'm going to get as close as I can. And, you know, <laughs> and that's, and that's the important, and that's the important part is just to keep trying. Yeah. That's so funny. Um, are you working, you said you earlier when, before we started recording, you were saying you, um, you've actually written another book since now. Are you on a different series? Are you working on this series some more? What are you working on right now? Uh, well, in fact, I have just finished another writing another book, which is called uh, The Left-Handed Booksellers of London. Uh, and it, it's it's a completely different book. Um, it's about it's set in a slightly alternate London in 1983. Uh, and it's about a young art student called Susan who goes to London uh, early. She's, she actually has a place at art school, the Slade. But uh, she comes to, to London early in in the spring uh, to search for her father, who she never knew. And she's drawn into the arcane business of the booksellers, whose secret sideline is to ensure that mythic entities and dormant legends do not disastrously intrude into the modern world. That I just awesome. read that. It's in front of me in the computer. Um, oh, my gosh. So, yeah, it's um, – so that was fun. Uh, I actually first went to London – in 1983, so it's drawing on my uh, memory my experience. experience and memories of of, of that time, <laughs> and also of being a bookseller. And uh, yeah, the left-handed booksellers are the sort of field agents of this secret society of booksellers who go and deal with things that should not have risen. And uh, but they're also the right-handed booksellers who do all the research and uh, direct operations and so on. Um, so. Yeah, it's 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 a fun book. I'm I'm very pleased with it, and uh, uh, my publishers have been been very it's been received very well by them too. So I've got a little more work to do on it. It's just come back with with uh, you know editorial comments. So you know once again more revision. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that will be that will be uh, that will be next year, next October 2020. Uh, so Angel Mage, Angel Mage this October, and. Uh, the left-handed booksellers of London, 
October 2020. Man, you are you very prolific. You write a lot. <laughs> I mean, I was looking well, through your. I'm a full time writer. I've been doing it, you know, for for decades. I know, and, but uh, it's still that doesn't mean I know other authors who don't crank out this quickly. It's just you're you're just that's amazing. I'm just I'm, I, I wish you well, could have seen you, the giant grin on my face. You, by the way. <laughs> If you if you looked at uh, if you look at look at some years of my record, it's not so good. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's just it's, life. Uh, there's been there was, there's a few years where I I was not having a, a book a year, um, and some very late books uh, came out. Some books that were very very much after their supposed mm. delivery dates. Uh, but but I, I have been steadily writing for. More than thirty years, so yeah. it does tend to it does tend to add up. Yeah, that's yeah. It. I'm a kind of a person I talk about that myself. I mean, my my first book was The Rag Witch, was published in 1991. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that took me five years to write. So there you go. So you uh, it took just... me actually probably slightly slightly more than five years to write my first book. So. I've been making up for lost time ever since. <laughs> no, I, I, I guess one of the things when I was thinking about interviewing you and I was reviewing, because I haven't read all of your books, but I've read a chunk of them and um, just the ones that I haven't read. I was like, oh, this sounds interesting. And they're just all, they all just sound wonderful and interesting. And like, uh, I guess in my mind as an artist who, you know, if I ever think, oh, I'll maybe write a book or whatever, I have an idea as opposed to just, oh, this this sounds amazing, but I'm just sitting here when you were telling me this, I'm like, you just wrote this incredibly complex, beautiful book about, you know, the three musketeers inspired angel magic inspired world. And then the next one was like 83 bookseller London with alternative, like, <laughs> I'm like totally different, equally interesting. I want to read the next one. Cause I was also a bookseller and I'm left-handed. So totally need to read that. Oh, um, you're there. Absolutely. I'm absolutely, yeah. that was, there's, you know, but I, I just, I just love that you're able to create these, these wonderful stories for um, readers to enjoy. And, and they really are. They're just, I, I, your books are some of my favorite to get lost in. They're just so fun to read. They're interesting and there's lots of elements and yeah, I just love them. So, um, well, thank you. You're welcome. They, they all reflect, they reflect my varied interests, I guess. Every, every story of mine, I think reflects, yeah. I mean, every short story as well as the novels, because I write quite a lot of short fiction as well. Um, they all, they all just reflect my, my very varied interests. Um, I'm as, I'm as interested in, book selling and <laughs> London and 1983 as I am in the 17th century and uh, 17th century history and musketeers and angels yeah. and uh, and uh, so many many so many other things that uh, there I, I have so many ideas for stories and, and books but they, they all stem from a lifetime of being interested in stuff <laughs> yeah. uh, and lots of different things. And lots of different fiction as well, too. Mm. Uh, I've always read very widely, and I still do, you know, all types of fiction and nonfiction. And I think if you fill your head up with all kinds of stuff, as I just referred to yeah. it, um, You're gonna then, get curious. then stories will come out. Yep. Yeah, yeah you know, that, that raw material is going in. Um, that's a perfect segue into the next question I always ask my authors is, have you read anything of interest lately that you would recommend to our listeners? Well, I'm currently reading a very, very interesting biography of Thomas Cromwell, uh, basically because of the Hilary Mantel novels, Wolf Hall and Bring Up the Bodies, which, Mm -hmm. I mean, again, this is a slightly earlier period. I mean, this this is 16th century, uh, but I've always been, that's a period I'm fascinated in as well, and Henry VIII um, (laughs) as well, and Elizabeth. 
Um, but um, so very, very interesting biography of, of Cromwell. I've mm-hmm. forgotten the author's name, but it's one that Hilary Mantel has recommended and, and, and blurbed, so I'm sure not hard to find. Um, so that's, that's very interesting. Um, looking across what else I've been reading, I just read Eric Idle's biography, Always <laughs> Look on the Bright Side of Life, uh, which I also I enjoyed. Um, probably not as it's not as wasn't as interesting to me as Michael Palin's collected um, diaries, which were just a different level of, of sort of immediacy of of that period of Monty Python okay. and so on. Um, I, I I love collected letters. I love diaries, you know, contemporaneous diaries, particularly of writers and artists and, and performers. I always moment. find them yep. very very interesting. Yeah. Um, and what else have I got to read? I haven't actually started reading it yet, but, um, I have the final book of the Australian author, Andrew McGann, who sadly died recently. Um, his book, The Rich Man's House, uh, he's a very fine writer and I'm, I'm looking forward to reading that. Um, he's, he's kind of best known for his sort of gritty realist novels or, or Perhaps, probably, yeah, still probably best known for those. But the rich man's house is quite a, a fantastical kind of idea mm. uh, because it's about what's um, well, set in a, a billionaire's house on, on a, uh, a mountain between Tasmania and the Antarctic. Uh, but it's a, a mountain that's twenty five thousand meters high. <laughs> uh, you know, it's this like like ten times ten times higher than Everest. Just like a big peak uh, just sticking out of the water. (laughs) Massive, yeah, which he explains in the stride. I've just read about it and I've only just got the book to read. Um, so but there's so many there's so many amazing books uh, to read. Every single day I think of or I see mention of things and I go, Oh I'd like to read that (laughs) and of course you you can't ever read everything but um, I'm always collecting uh, new books and always have piles of, of books to read. <laughs> I think we all uh, do. There's never a shortage. And, and, also, and I like to reread. Too. I, I reread favorite books as well. Um, and in fact, I just reread uh, the second the second trilogy of Catherine Kurtz's uh, Derigny novels, which are from the early 80s, I think, which are a medieval Mm. fantasy cool uh very much a precursor to game of thrones actually uh, and i think probably actually quite influential on them um uh so and i hadn't i hadn't read them for maybe 20 years so it was it was very good to revisit those actually i i enjoyed re- rereading them so i'm always rereading yeah. books and you know new ones and reading non-fiction and uh uh including very obscure very obscure books sometimes not just biographies of historical figures but uh uh you know books about trade in medieval europe or <laughs> things like that uh, it just again it's that, that magpie instinct to, to read and collect stuff which nearly always does end up being useful in some way i, I don't know it's going to be useful or but to be useful but you never but know it, like it, you it said is. you're putting it in well, it really always is yeah do you yeah. do you do audiobooks I don't read my own, um, but all my books are available uh, pretty much in, in audio format. And, uh, and luckily, I'm, I'm consulted generally on, on the narrators. Uh, 
been I've been very lucky in general. I mean, Tim Curry did the first I know, three Old Kingdom books. They're the best ever. Can't they're get my, better than that. They're my favorite audiobooks ever. I think I raved for like five minutes to you about how awesome they were. Oh my gosh! Yeah, he's, that was just. I mean, when they, that, I mean, that's a long time ago they were recorded. When they yeah. emailed me to say uh, one of the potential people we could get to do this is Tim Curry, I was like, is there another Tim Curry who does audio books? Am I like thinking of <laughs> someone else? No, it's the, it, yeah, well, so there must be someone else with the same name. Yeah. Uh, and I said, no, it's the Tim Curry. And I was like, wow, okay, yeah, fantastic. Uh, and, you know, sadly oh. he couldn't do the, he, he couldn't do the later Old Kingdom books. Uh, because you know he'd had a stroke and and so on, uh, which was a shame. But they're still read by by very good people. Yeah, uh, great actors. So I've, I've been very lucky. And Angel Mage actually was recorded about a month ago. Oh, great! Uh, uh, by Christina, and I've her surname has just escaped me, but she's a, a very good uh, British actor, um, and has done a great job. There's already. There's already, um, you know, samples online to, to listen to and oh, so that's on. Great. So, uh, yeah, it's very very good. Do you so it's uh, do you listen to audiobooks ever? Like, if you're ever reading, like I find that that's a way to ingest. If I need to be out and about, I'm like listening to things. Yeah, I I relatively rarely. I I generally prefer to read to myself, but I do listen. I do listen in cars or yeah. on planes. When I'm, I'm traveling, sometimes uh, is long car trips is, is <laughs> when I'll uh, when I'll, I'll listen to, to audiobooks. Um, I can never listen to my own for yeah. very long. <laughs> I, I, I listen to them to get you know to, to say oh that's, that, that sounds, sounds great. good yeah. <laughs> after I've, ten minutes or so, I always think I should have changed that word. Oh no! Or, yeah. Or that does. You know, could have been slightly better. And then I start thinking about how I could have the things I should have done to. Yeah. Well, they're normally quite small. It's often just a word choice, but then it bugs me. So yeah, you don't uh, want to fall down I that trap. To, that would I have to not, listen, <laughs> not listen to my own. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they're, they're fantastic for for long car. I was just thinking since and, you're and traveling and so. You know, we're talking about ingesting and always having an impossibly large to be read pile. And I'm like you, oh, I, like, yes. I like to reread as well. It's I'm I'm very much a comfort reader. Um, I have probably at least once a month. I'm like, oh, I just want to, oh, I just want to hang out with those guys again, or you know, I want to revisit that world or those yeah. characters. So I'll just pick up a book that I've read, um, or I find myself seasonally like. Um, We've talked about this a little bit in via email, but um, Garth is probably – I'm in the process of putting together, for those of you listening, a podcast about uh, Susan Cooper's The Dark is Rising sequence. And that's a series I revisit usually around Christmas because that's when you read it because the, especially the, the book The Dark is Rising takes place over the Christmas, New Year's holidays. And so it's just fun to revisit worlds that you fall in love with and you can fall back into them and have that feeling. You know, It's just a wonderful to be like, oh, that's right. I love this. You know, So – I don't know. Audiobooks help me ingest more because I'm like you. I'm like I'm, I'm I'm limited on my time, and I really want to keep bringing more things in. So, I was just curious. You're about to go on tour. Um, this book this will come out, I think, a little bit after 
your book comes out. Um, so you'll probably already be on tour when this audio goes live, but you are touring around for Angel Mage. You'll be out and about and uh, right, currently touring while this is going live. I so. will be. All right. So you'll we be can probably just leave it at that. I will be out and about. Out and about in the world. <laughs> Go find Garth. He's somewhere. I was just going to say not Santorini, sadly, where you are now. Yeah, I am in Santorini. If it, it is, You need to come to Greece. I was telling him before we started recording. I was like, of all the places, you've traveled the world, but you've never been to Greece. It's, it amazes me. I mean, I guess I know you're kind of at yes, your publisher's whim. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, it was, it's great, but I yeah, I'd like a holiday. I'd like a holiday in Greece. No, no, not a, not, not a, a book tour. tour. Yeah. I'd like a, a day in Greece. Well, I, yeah, it's one, one day, one day. I, you can, I recommend it. You should do it. But, um, but thank you for talking with me about Angel Mage. I, um, I really, I just hope fans love this book. I, I see the buzz ahead of time. The, the you read the star reviews are great. People are really enjoying it. And, and the things that I noticed are what everyone's kind of been talking about is, like I said, the the nicely done, slipped in equality, but this mix of like, you know, musketeer with this angel magic and this the complexity of this world with this like adventure with these main characters. And the, uh, it's kind of questy in a way and they have to go. It, it's just, it's so fun. It's so fun to read. Um, so I just hope that fans love it and i can't wait to share this podcast to get people hopefully excited about it so thank you very much lauren i i hope that readers love it too fingers crossed yeah <laughs> well guys i hope you enjoyed this chat with garth um don't forget to check out our patreon at ink feather books and please tune in in two weeks for a new episode until then happy reading bye happy reading bye <laughs>